We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 305. Our guests today are so much fun. They are the two ladies behind Instagram account Courses and Cocktails, and they are two adult amateurs from Miami. One works in enterprise tech, and one is a lawyer. They have their own horses and have been, you know, documenting their journey as they are riding and competing. They keep it very real, down to earth, showing the good and the bad of what life with horses is truly like. I think their Instagram is super motivational, inspirational, and a ton of fun. So without further ado, please welcome the ladies behind Courses and Cocktails, Alice and Gwen. Hi, ladies. Hey. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I'm so excited to talk with you and hear a little bit about how Courses and Cocktails came to be. But first, um, Gwen, do you want to lead us off with a little bit of how you first got started in the horse world? Yeah. So I've been riding um, my whole life. I think I started when I was like seven or eight. Nobody in my family is into horses. Uh, So one of my friends, I'm from Connecticut, one of my friends growing up Uh, Her whole family was into horses. They did the uh, big circuit, uh, desert circuit over in California. And she moved over to Connecticut. And I like started going over to her house to ride and, you know, to hang out with her. And then all of a sudden it was like multiple times a day. And my parents were like, huh, you seem to really like this person. What's going on? And I was like, (laughs) oh, I I love her. But I also like the horses. I think I'm obsessed. Yeah. (laughs) So they slowly got me into lessons and, um, yeah. I mean, I showed a little bit on the A circuit as a junior, like just never really had the funds necessary to like do the full A circuit thing. So I just, you know, had a couple horses when I was younger, did a lot of the local circuit and yeah, I've been, took a few years off and then got back into it at the university of Texas. I was on the IHSA team there. And ever since I've just like been this amateur trying to figure out how to afford horses and um, take it as seriously as possible without bankrupting myself. So <laughs> yep, that is always the goal and the fine line that a lot of us live. Um, yeah, that's so awesome. Alice, what about you? How did you first get started in the equestrian world? And then how did the two of you meet? Yeah, so I guess in some ways, I'm a little opposite of Gwen. My entire family rides. I'm originally from England. And I come from like a, a line of a lot of female equestrians. Um, and when we moved to the U.S. when I was in third grade, um, I just started riding there. I did not show on any A circuit. I really just did like, you know, B shows, like really local shows. And I just did low hunters. And then I took a huge break from basically the end of high school until about two years ago. And I would just ride like periodically or do like, you know, lessons here and there, maybe go on like a hack if I went back to England or something on one of my cousin's horses. But I really got back into it about two years ago when I moved to Miami to be with my boyfriend. I didn't have a lot of friends. And so I was looking for something to do to fill my weekends. And it, of course, became a full-fledged obsession. And that is actually how I met Gwen, because I moved to um, Elysian Stables, which is where we both ride now. 
and Gwen was already riding there and I had moved over there and started leasing a horse and then COVID hit I think like a week after I leased my horse and the barn closed down basically to everybody except boarders and so Gwen and I just started riding together like every day and I was a bit of a hot mess like trying to get back into riding and she was like much better than me so she would just help me out like here and there um getting my confidence up and then we uh I guess the rest is kind of history we haven't not (laughs) been attached to the hip since then I love it um Gwen how did you guys kind of come to the idea of horses and cocktails so uh, to Alice's point we became friends I was like the worst influence ever because she was riding a few days a week and like really serious in her job, which she still definitely is. And I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But I was like, but what if you just come out instead of like two days a week, come out like four days a week. And anyway, <laughs> so I've just been like the worst influence. She was like, I'm just going to casually lease and ride. Sure. And now she has a horse. And so um, the way that courses and cocktails came about is like, I have always had riding friends, but I've always kind of separated my two lives with the riding and then like my school or sports or whatever I was doing. So I never have been a huge fan of like posting it on my social media to like a crazy amount. Um, We like jokingly say like the normies, we don't want them to see all of our horse content. So we made it as a joke about two years ago. Like, let's just use this as an outlet to post all of our, you know, like funny memes we find and, you know, not be judged for making horse videos that go to music and um, just like really embrace our, you know, like let our freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been two years and we just like didn't anticipate for it to be anything. And now people are, you know, super interested in hearing like, how are these two mediocre riders doing that like shouldn't be at WEF, <laughs> but they're there and they're just trying to make it happen. <laughs> oh, I I love it. Um, I don't believe you, but I think that it is such a cool, I hate to use the term relatable because I feel like it's so overused in social media, but I think that's truly where you get that kind of um, amazing, like diehard audience or group of community that wants to, you know, know what you have to post and keep updated, you know, on what you guys are doing, because there are so many adult amateur riders out there that are trying to do what you guys have been able to do. Alice, tell me a little bit about, because I know both of you work you know, normal jobs in normal life and um, not only have to work towards balancing it, but obviously there's the financial component to be able to make this work. So Alice, tell me a little bit about what you do and how you try to find balance and, you know, have the ability to be able to, you know, kind of work towards your riding goals. Sure. So um, I'm an attorney. Actually, I work at a, a big law firm down here in Miami. It is hard to balance. I think, you know, Gwen will give her perspective. We always joke because we're opposite in a lot of ways. <laughs> and my job is uh, very time consuming. I mean, it, you know, most a lot of days I'm in the office. Um, I have, you know, billable hour requirements as an attorney. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty high demand job. So the balance can be at times very tough, you know, just even like physically demanding, trying to get up early to ride and then go to work and meet all my deadlines. And, and, you know, I try to joke to Gwen, like I can do it all in a day, but I really don't have enough hours sometimes. Um, So there have been points where I've gotten a little, to be honest, run down, trying to do it all, trying to do all the things I want to do at the barn, all the things I want to do with my horse. 
and, you know, still obviously keeping up with my work obligations, but my job is the, the reason that I can afford my horse and that I can go to WEF and I can do all these things. So I think it gives you a little bit more of like a, a like pressure to make it work. But, you know, in addition to that, I do, I do also have a very supportive boyfriend. And so that's like a third part of my life that I have totally. to work in. That goes so. a long way. Yeah, it, you know, it can be, there definitely have been points where I've, I've stretched myself too thin trying to do it all. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm trying to live out my horse girl dreams, like at the age of 30 now, like doing WEF and, and being in Wellington kind of creates, you know, we always say like we have a Wellington bubble, like about what the horse life is and what the show looks like and how often you should be going. And it's like super easy to get sucked into that bubble and feel like you have to do it all. And so it takes a lot of like, I think, self-recognizing like, okay, no, this week I need to step back. I need to skip a show. You know, there have been weeks where I've told Gwen, like, you know what, I probably can't come out and ride this week because I have a bunch of deadlines. Can you please ride my horse? You know, or working with my barn, which is great. Um, We have a great barn at home with a bunch of support. Gwen, what about you? How do you manage to balance and, uh, you know, mentally be able to do both also physically to be able to afford doing this lifestyle and sport? Yeah. So to Alice's point, I have the total opposite job. I am like totally not built for it. Alice is such a boss. It's unreal. Um, so I'm an enterprise tech sales and my job is very, very flexible. At the end of the day, like I'm a lot of my job is just like talking to people and building a relationship and, um, it's just not, you know, I don't have like billable hours. It's just, did you hit your quota or not? It's funny. Like I got into sales because I was like, how do I make the most money the quickest so that I can afford a horse? (laughs) That was like literally my, my main thought getting into this, but it's nice. Like I'm at the barn actually right now. And I, we have a, we're, you know, very lucky. We have a nice clubhouse that has air conditioning and Wi-Fi, So we spend a lot of our mornings here working. You know, we, I come and ride in the mornings and then spend the rest of the day here working. It's just like a great way to break it up because I'm a remote worker and I have a really supportive significant other as well. My husband though is a surgeon, um, still in training. He's in a fellowship now. That's why we actually moved down to Miami. So I have had the luxury of having him be really busy so that I can kind of just like live this horse girl dream and spend my days at the barn and not feel like guilty about being an awful significant other. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, again, my life is a little bit more flexible, which just makes this horse thing like way more attainable. Yeah, no, I totally feel that I, my husband and I rarely see each other during the day just because like I'm always running around he um flips houses and owns rental property so he's like doing his thing I travel a lot to horse shows and whatever um but it's honestly like great for our relationship because we're not like always breathing down each other's necks so I (laughs) I think that there's a lot of like good with that as you know to be able to like have your own life do your own thing but then you also kind of have this life teammate so yeah else what did Andrew say the other day the text that was like I'm fully convinced that you guys do not need us yes yeah <laughs> he I, he always jokes because I literally told him I said oh we're doing this podcast like it's gonna be really cool and he's been really um you know candidly when I got back into the writing it was a bit of a like a struggle for us to find a balance of how much time I was at the barn you know versus at home etc and he's become like really super supportive, like horse dad, basically. Um, he loves our horse, Gigi. Um, and when I told him we were doing the podcast, 
you know, he's been really supportive of our Instagram and he was like, oh, that's so amazing. You guys are like, I think he says something like, you're like <laughs> independent boss women. I have no doubt that you don't need me or Kevin. Like, <laughs> and I was like, no, but you know, we keep you guys around anyway. We like you. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll, we'll keep you around. We, we want to have you around, but yeah, we don't need you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Gwen, has there been any, you know, as you guys are influencers with a community of like fellow horse girls, have there been any like pieces of content that you have created that have like weirdly gone viral that you like weren't planning and all of a sudden it was like oh my god you like wake up one day and it went crazy oh my gosh all of our fail videos kill it Uh every video of us just being super vulnerable are um the ones that do really really well uh and people it's like funny to laugh at us you know just like getting a terrible distance knocking poles we've had one go really really or i go very viral that was to the Shania Twain remix and oh, I just think yes. that remix was like literally life-changing is probably I why. <laughs> loved that I did that as well and it was oh my gosh so fun like you're like I'm like cringing inside while I'm doing it but also like I'm like I know I needed to do this because yes. it's just a blast oh my gosh absolutely but yeah most of ours are just like the funny ones relatable people really like um like the inspirational ones as well uh just to remind us like Hey, you know, everybody's on their own journey, taking their own path, figuring their own shit out. I don't know if yeah. I can say this, but, um, <laughs> <You're good. laughs> but yeah, but mostly like the fails, which honestly, those are the ones I like the most too, because like we're human, we aren't perfect. We have nice horses and like are, you know, lucky that we have them to support our bad decisions that we make. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I first started my businesses, it can feel super lonely and really overwhelming with all the things that you feel like you have to do, but it doesn't have to be that way. What would it feel like to have all the time in the world set aside to strategize, organize, and actually brainstorm for your business and not just try to catch up on your email inbox? Miranda from Marketing for the Uninhibited has been my business coach for the past year, and she has helped me with just that. Unlock your marketing with her, and she has a new one-on-one marketing intensive, which is four weeks of virtual support. If you need help with stuff like branding, marketing messaging, content strategy, a marketing plan, and specific goals, then this is seriously perfect for you. Miranda has helped me so much with my business, and she made it go from like a side job that I was doing to a multi six-figure business. Miranda will be there to cheer for you, coach you, and support you via text, email, Voxer for the entire four weeks as you execute your custom 30-day marketing plan. Use code Bethany at checkout at marketinguninhibited.com for 10% off your marketing unlocked service. Again, that is marketinguninhibited.com and use code Bethany at checkout. It's so true. And it's, it's hard because I think what I always say, you know, I've been in the influencer zone for several years over at my equestrian style, but I always say the equestrian industry is an average of five to 10 years behind the rest of the normal world. And especially when it comes to social media, while social media has also been an aid to kind of help catch up the horse world with the rest of the world, I still do think Uh, For so long, it was always the polished version of, you know, all the highlights, all the things like that. And I know 
in the rest of the world, it is becoming more and more normal to incorporate the, you know, the, the normal stuff and the things that don't go well. So I love that you guys have actually pulled the trigger and feel comfortable and confident to like open that space for other people. Um, Cause I know there's also a hard dynamic. I'm also on the other end of being a professional in the industry. And there's a big part of um, a social media account that is kind of like a, a business portfolio and a way to advertise your business. So I see both sides. I'm a part of both sides, but I am so grateful to ladies like you who do have the space where you can, you know, showcase that and really embrace that, you know, you're not going to have a perfect ride every day. And that is so normal and that's totally okay. Yeah. I think just to add to that, I think for us, we ride at a barn that has a lot of young girls that ride with us and they follow our account and they just, they think it's funny, you know, like when we post these things and I always joke like Gwen will never stop recording if I fall off. Um, and actually just keep rolling. Shows, yes. And it just a couple of shows ago, I fell off and like my vest inflated and she literally, it's on our account, but she literally took a slow-mo video of me walking out like with my horse holding my vest and I just like look at her dead in the camera and she just literally did not put the camera down like kept I doing love it. That. but you know it's good for the younger girls too you know like to let them know like what you see is not it's not realistic you know we know a lot of these not personally but you know we're on the circuit so we know all these big rider names and the junior riders and they are all incredible and these girls look up to them but I think it's good for them to see you know mistakes are okay so that when they make mistakes, it's not a big deal. You know, it's just you come back the next day and you're going to try to be better. Right. And I think normalizing the inevitable is so important that, you know, you they're, they're even the top, top, top of the sport make mistakes all the time. And I know having the the time with top riders, you know, for instance, on the podcast, um, they will be the first to admit that. And it's like, the more you know, the more you realize that you need to learn more. And so I think that's also embracing a really cool side of the sport that we are all lifelong learners, no matter how advanced in the sport you are, how beginner you are, there's always more to learn. Um, Gwen, what would you say? So now that you guys are in Miami, it's mm-hmm. obviously a quick commute to show at WEF in the winter. How yeah. long have you been showing at WEF? What was that maybe transition like from showing maybe other circuits or doing smaller shows? Did it like fulfill all of your horse girl dreams of showing at WEF? Give me a little rundown about that experience for you. Yeah. So I have been lucky enough to be at three seasons of WEF now. And it is as magical as like you think when you're a kid. So I grew up again, like on the Northeast circuit. So I did Socrates and some of the the circuits up there, which are, you know, beautiful, but seeing these pictures of people like jumping under the palm trees. I mean, it's like really true. It's so magical to be in a place where the weather is just 75 degrees. You're surrounded by all of like the concentration of the best riders and most talented trainers in the country under this incredible venue. It is like Disney world for a, for a rider for sure. I never thought that I would be, uh, get the opportunity to show there and, you know, like be able to put my hat in the ring for ribbons every once in a while. Um, it's just really, it's really special. I mean, and 
being able to take your horse on trail rides around uh, Grand Prix Village and, you know, we can't afford like the really nice barns that are within a half mile of these you know, the actual WEF grounds, but we can like go there and walk around and like our draws can drop looking at these barns that are way nicer than most people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's next level. It's, it's really, really special and it just feels like so fantastic. You know, I, we're moving probably in the next couple of years. And I keep saying to my husband, like, I'm doing this because I may never get this opportunity again to be in the best of the best place. Like, you know, with just such an incredible show circuit. Exactly. And obviously, part of it being arguably the best hunter jumper venue in the winter season worldwide. Alice, how would you say, because obviously that comes with stiff competition and, you know, sometimes your goal is, you know, it'd be amazing to just ribbon. Like it would be amazing to go clear. It would be amazing to, you know, jump eight jumps in a row. Um, How do you kind of keep that perspective to not get discouraged. Maybe if you're working through something or, you know, maybe you don't have a standout day. How do you, how do you kind of keep perspective and stay motivated to keep going even when the competition is crazy, crazy tough? Yeah. I mean, that's actually a very relevant question to my current, my current status. I have a, um, a seven-year-old mare named Gigi. And she's, I mean, she's just super, but you know, she is young and and I imported her because I couldn't afford the maid jumper. So I've had for about a year and a half. And I always joke to Gwen, like, I really don't ever go in thinking like, I'm going to win this class, you know, for a number of reasons. A lot of times my goal is to give my horse a good experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So that might be like, for example, on Sunday, my goal was to like, basically get time faults because I was going to use all my corners. And and so I didn't ribbon, you know, but I had a great time. And I think that just keeping realistic, like I know the class that I'm in, people have horses that are like retired Grand Prix horses. I just know that I can't compete with that. And that's okay. I think just being realistic about like having a good time and why you're there and what your goals are. Like I'm currently in the low adults. My goal is is not to win. It's never been to win. My goal is to get it right and and move back up, to, you know, to the high adults with my horse and maybe higher than that. So I think just being realistic about what your own goals are. And if you get a ribbon, that's great. I've gotten a ribbon a few times at WEF and it was like so exciting. And, and, you know, you just have to be realistic. I know that those are some of the best riders ever. And when there's 45 people in your class, that is tough because if you right. go double clear, you might not get a ribbon still. Right. That's so true. And that, I mean, that is a thousand percent right. If you can have your, you know, your ability, your horse's ability align with realistic goals, I think that is the best way to set yourself up for a positive experience. I mean, if your goals are unrealistic to the to the competition, to the amount of time you practice, to the amount of time, you know, your horse has been in the ring. There are so many factors that make you have to constantly tweak and adjust your goals. So I think if you can have that and have people in your life, like trainers or barn mates to keep you accountable, to stay realistic with those goals, I think that is a game changer. Definitely. This is the most humbling sport in the entire world. (laughs) And like we have a partner that is living and breathing and is scared of plastic bags. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, like just set your expectations accordingly. Every day is, you know, a new ride, truly. (laughs) 
Tell me a little bit about the um, cocktail component of your name. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. We were just like, let's we're Amies, man. Like all we care about is like having fun, doing it for the horse. Um, And at the end of the day, like, even if we have a bad day, like, let's go get a sangria. Let's go get a mimosa. Like, let's just not take this too seriously because like I said, like we're, riding 1200 pound animals that this is this is our bio you know two amateurs that are paying way too much money to jump your horses over colorful sticks mm-hmm. like when you take it down to its core it really is like just we're jumping these animals that are scared of the dumbest things ever over colorful sticks and paying a lot of money for it yeah so that's like that is our ode to like have a drink if you don't have a good or don't drink if you don't want to have a good mocktail, but, you know, just like make the most of the experience you have. And uh, at the end of the day, if we need to have a sang- an extra sangria, like so be it. <laughs> exactly. I love that. And yeah, it's just like such a great reminder of why we do this sport and that these animals do not at all have to do the things that we ask them to do. And so many of them do it so willingly. So it's just totally a good reminder to like, give yourself some grace and have a little fun with it. That's why we do the sport. So yeah, that's an awesome reminder. Um, Give me a little bit. What would you say is, I guess, an area of the industry that you two are really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Yeah, I'll go first, Alice. I think like we've talked about this and I know you said the word relatable is, you know, maybe overused a bit, but I think we're just really passionate about being real, um, you know, letting other riders know that perfection truly doesn't exist. And we're all just doing this for the love of the horse. And like social media really, truly is a highlight reel. I find myself at times doing that as well. Um, Instead of just being like, hey, this just wasn't a good day for whatever reason, or I'm struggling in this area. Um, the reality is as riders, we are always learning. I think that's like one of the beautiful things about this sport. And it's like, you know, my siblings used to ask me, why are you still taking lessons? Like, aren't you, don't you like know how to ride yet? You're, you're 30. Like, how do you still have to take lessons? You haven't figured it out. Yeah, exactly. They're like, they don't get it. They're like every other, you know, thing by this point, you really shouldn't be taking lessons. But I mean, that's just the reality of sport, depending on what horse you are, depending on what the, the weather is outside, like you have a completely different ride ahead of you. And having, I think having everybody just get a really clear picture that even if you're on the West circuit and you're riding a nice horse and you have, you know, more experience and, um, like are lucky enough to have more experience and others, like just being real and knowing that everybody has good and bad days. That's, I think I'm really passionate about that personally. And I think that's really what we're trying to, you know, get across on the account is just like, we're here to be real. And I think like Mavis Spencer is one of our huge, I think I'm saying her name right. Yeah. Um, she's like one of our idols on social media because she is, you know, such an insanely talented writer that is all about being real. And um, yeah, I mean, just like that kind of influence is so impactful for for social media. And, you know, we're like two nobodies, but it's cool to watch like people like Mavis really, really um, make that impact. And sorry, totally. Alice, I went off for a little bit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Alice, what about you? What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world, you know, needs to either learn a little bit more about or talk a little bit more about? Um, I think I would just generally echo, you know, what Gwen said. I think the reality is that we represent, you know, like 90% of the people that ride 
like, you know, such a small percentage of people are riding at WEF and doing perfect. We follow a ton of accounts on our courses and cocktails of people that just like, you know, ride for fun. Like maybe they don't even show, like they, they come out and they are at a smaller barn and they just do, you know, they're just doing this for fun, like for the love of the horse. And, and that's like way more realistic than what you see on the A circuit. And we feel blessed to kind of like have the best of both worlds. But I think just being more realistic about how much this sport costs, how it can be a little bit taxing, um, you know, and, and just being real, like people love our posts that are like Gwen said earlier of fails, like reels that are fails are, are funny, but they also like our actual posts of like, yeah, you know, like, I think I posted one that was like, I have a seven-year-old and it's been really difficult. Like <laughs> It hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And, you know, Gwen's had similar posts that are like, you know, I am moving up to a new height class and it's been really, you know, difficult and my horse has been really great. And people really resonate with that because like, that's what people are really going through. Um, it's fun if you, like we always said, it's fun if you win, but we're doing it to have a good time. And at the end of the day, we always just want to make sure we're doing the best for our partners because, you know, our horses give us like 110%. So we need to give that back. Totally. Yeah. That's a really great reminder. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to walk me through a little bit about how you got to where you are today. I think what you're doing on Instagram is so fun, so important for the industry, courses and cocktails. So thank you so much. And I'll continue to watch your journey over there, but I wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.